0: Welcome to The Nathan Berry Show, Episode 7. Today you get to meet Caleb Wojcik. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for a few years and he is incredibly smart and has played a huge role in my success online. Uh, He knows all about video, blogging, all kinds of things. And uh, I'm just looking forward to you meeting him. Caleb, how are you? I'm good.
1: I'm excited to uh, chat with people today about all this stuff.
0: So we are going to um, take a bunch of questions. We're going to just talk and hang out. We're pretty good at that, right, Caleb?
1: Yeah, we just hang out anyway. So <laughs> That's what we do
0: anyway. So, so Caleb, let's see. We first met at the World Domination Summit in 2012.
1: Yeah, it seems like a really long time ago, but that was only about a year and a half ago.
0: Yeah, I think we've I mean, both been
1: pretty much, busy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How much can change in that amount of time?
1: Yeah, I mean, back then you were the guy that was like, "I have this idea for an ebook." Yeah. Like you were still doing apps back then and all that kind of stuff. So lot's definitely changed on
0: your end for sure. Yeah, and and you didn't have uh, Fizzle. Fizzle wasn't out, no. Um, Fizzle was that that was like a vague idea at that time. Um, we were um, working on it. Okay, but you hadn't like. You weren't talking about it publicly at all? No. Because no. I think it was that fall that uh, that you started saying, like, hey, there's this... Or, you know, maybe, like, August, September, that you started mm-hmm. saying, hey, there's the site that we're working on,
1: you know? Yeah, we... I mean, we built it in, realistically, about eight weeks or so. Yeah. Uh, the first copy of it. But, yeah, I mean, back then, I, there was no fizzle. There was no... Nathan Berry is an author.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like, hardly even... I'm going to pick, out, uh, pick on Pat Flynn for a moment because I just saw he like, popped into the chat. But <laughs> I remember we were talking about something and you mentioned Pat, and this is in like the first um, 10 minutes of our conversation. I, yeah. I had no clue who Pat Flynn was. And uh, so, anyway, so Pat... you didn't I, know anything back I then. I didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, anyway, now I know who Pat Flynn is. Yeah. Uh, I know plenty of other people. Yeah, um, But basically after wds we started a little mastermind group
1: Mm -hmm. with
0: uh, a couple other people and we just kind of built our businesses at the same time
1: yeah i mean it's cool to to have talked with you and barrett brooks for that long that consistent of a basis basis because i mean i mean there's there's ups and downs and stuff i mean just in general i mean launches don't go how well you want them to um I know in your circumstance, like you were not going to relaunch one of your things cause you, you just, you didn't think you had the capacity to do it. So, but like big ideas have come out of having a mastermind group. Right. And so I, that's yeah. like the biggest yeah, thing. I'll tell that
0: story really quickly. Actually. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I was working on the new edition of the X handbook for iOS seven. And I was not making any progress at all, Like it was really frustrating I, I just didn't feel like writing it. And so I, yeah. tur- I turned to you guys and I think it was it was you and Barrett Brooks and I on a call and I was saying, What what should I do with this? Like I know it'll make money if I relaunch it, but yeah, but I'm just not motivated to work on it at all. And what you guys said was, Okay, give yourself one week to find a co author. Yeah. And if you can't do that, shut it down. Yeah. You know. And and that just gave me like really clear direction. I found a co-author within a week, the launch ended up making $36,000 and you know, it was, it was a huge success, but um, it, it just took that extra prodding and, and, yeah, and, and strategy from you guys.
1: I think the hesitation for you was, I don't know if it was that you were kind of sick of talking about it or you didn't feel like you had anything to add to iOS seven discussion at that point or something, whatever it was, um, You found that in your co-author. And yeah, I mean, you had to split profits with him and stuff too, but he brought a lot to the table for oh, that yeah. book. He did a bunch of video interviews for it. Um, he made it better, way better.
0: Oh, um, yeah, yeah uh, so that's a, one of those things. A
1: small audience additional too. Um, and realistically, you might not have even relaunched it like you wanted to without his help. So like, that's just one example of there are many of like just Master My Stories over the past year and a half pivots between uh Barrett and I of like direction of where we're headed um even like this past one we had last week yeah there was like a really good idea I'm excited for Barrett to find out what that's gonna be so I mean some of this stuff we're talking vaguely but I think that masterminds are very yeah. very important
0: all right let's talk to let's talk about video because that's um another area that you helped me out a lot in mm-hmm. and uh So why don't you first talk about why gear doesn't matter. Um, Okay. First thing I did when I jumped into video was I bought a bunch of stuff. I think Um, that's common. But you say that's not necessary. And I agree with you, but I'll let you take that. Yeah,
1: so I mean the biggest thing with gear is I think I would say high 90% of people have something in their pocket, like a phone or something, that can shoot pretty good video. maybe not necessarily the best audio and maybe not the best for shooting inside or something like that. But you know, with less than a hundred dollars or so you can get a good phone tripod, a good phone microphone. Um, I would get the glyph uh, tripod, which is G L I F mm-hmm. Then you can get a little gorilla pod to mount that on and then get the road smart lab, which is like 50 or $60. So for around a hundred dollars or so, You can have a really good, not only mobile, but just at home, having your phone shooting good video. So yes, I shoot with DSLRs and yes, I have better microphones and audio recorders and um, some lights and stuff like that. But I think that anyone should just start with what they have, even if that's just a webcam. And for this guide, I mean, I interviewed you and a bunch of other people and almost every person started with screen recordings, just (laughs) talking over talking over their screen, just recording what they were doing. Maybe they had PowerPoint or keynote slides or something and just talking over those. And so that's why I think you, to get started with video, you don't really need gear. You don't need to buy gear, Mm -hmm. but it does help. So, I mean, in the book I have a section called gear doesn't matter. And then the next section is called gear does matter. So it's kind of like the both sides of the coin is like, it does make your videos look better when you know how to use it. You can, um, have better, more engaging videos with multiple angles sometimes and better sound. And so yeah, it's worth it to invest in equipment. Um, but to get started if you're not making videos now, or your hesitation is setting up all the gear and like having to have a dedicated five hours to shoot some videos, mm-hmm. start shooting just like 10 minute chunks of screen recordings or talking to your webcam to get better at
0: it first. Yeah. So my path of getting into video was for the app Design handbook. I did some, uh, just screen recordings, you know, I'd pull up Photoshop or Xcode or whatever, and then walk through how to do a specific tutorial. And that's a great place to start. Cause all you need is a microphone. Um, I'm actually, I'm using the blue, uh, the snowball microphone, slide that over, uh, by blue. And that one, I don't know, it's like a $50 microphone. Also the, yeah.
1: I'm like for this just call I have I'm using the Yeti which is like a 90 or $80 yeah, one I
0: think it's like the the Yeti's the one step up from the blue
1: yeah That's I mean the... I used to podcast on it and um, I don't anymore because I upgraded but when I'm getting on calls like this mm-hmm. I don't want a massive microphone in front of my face <laughs> which I've done hangouts like that and I just felt weird everyone's like wow your microphone's it's like a distraction instead <laughs> of like just like helping so so I just go for this one, even if you can hear the echo in my room and
0: everything, so. Yeah. But then also, so I did that with the first two books, where it's just the screen, you no know, picture of me, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to show up on camera. And then for Authority, I just sat in front of, um, I you probably have it listed out in your gear, but a Logitech webcam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're both shooting on the same Logitech webcam. Yeah, actually, right I
1: just got it. Uh, like about a month ago to test it out because I wanted to recommend it to people. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, what happened is Pat came over and he brought his because we did a a live hangout here. And I was Uh jealous. So I went and I bought one the next day. (laughs) And I was like, that looks way better than the webcam built into my laptop. But the biggest thing for that is you can move it. You don't have to be sitting at your desk. I mean, right now it is sitting on top of my monitor, but it has the tripod mount on the bottom. So if you have that gorilla pod, you could put it over on another table or something. If you have an actual camera tripod, you can put it on top of that. Um, So I shot and I actually did it the opposite way. I had my computer behind me when I was shooting some of the Skype interviews for this guide and had the camera, it would have been like right here facing this way. So you can get better lighting that way too Mm -hmm. as well. So it's really flexible. Yeah.
0: The other thing is, um, when we did the the Fizzle live show, that was the the it was the Logitech camera that you used, but yeah. on a tripod. Yeah. Um, and so that was able to you know to capture the whole room. We yeah. had three or four people in the, in the <laughs> until
1: Corbett's MacBook Air wasn't <laughs> accepting it anymore because <laughs> right. it, it does need a decent computer to run. Yeah. Um,
0: so, but so for for not that much money, you can get some decent gear when i shot the videos for authority i just got in front of the camera sitting at my desk right here looking into that you know the logitech camera and um just started talking and then i edited it together later but i i went with a really casual format rather than really polished and and that was easy for me and so sometimes i'd back up and start over but usually i would just start talking as if I'd been a- asked a question mm-hmm. and then be okay with any of the mistakes that came. So I'd often right. talk to, you know, like if you were to ask me about pricing and I just talked about pricing for all of that, that was mm-hmm. a way to go than scripting it.
1: But if you were going to write a blog post on pricing, it would take you a week maybe Yeah, of like outlining it and trying to think of a title and writing it, and rewriting it. And so like, that's, that's another good point about making videos is whether or not to script them. I go both ways, and it depends on what you're actually doing, right but until recently, I had been scripting almost all of them, and I really do think it helps keep the videos like to a point and to keep them mm-hmm. succinct and shorter and focused, and you know beforehand what the point of the videos actually is, but for certain kinds of videos, like I'm sure. A lot of the tutorials that you've shot for your books, you don't script those. I mean, they're like 45 minutes of an hour of you walking through Photoshop to do something. You're just doing something and then talking through it. And that takes practice. But I experimented with that for this guide. I did, you know, 10 or 15. There's like tutorials and case studies and stuff. And instead of sitting down and scripting them, I decided, said, okay, today I'm going to shoot all of them. And I just set up the camera, shot all of them in one day. And if you just hit record and then hit record on your audio and then hit record on your screen, you don't really wanna have to go and stop all those. So you just record it straight through if you can. And yeah, there might be some hiccups where maybe you thought it was a certain shortcut or something, but you were wrong and you can leave those in or take them out. You, you just right. seem a little human. So, I mean, you don't have to script all of your videos, especially if they're more like, Tutorial or like you said just like casual and more laid-back kinds of things because you can still get the information from that Just like this conversation you can still get information But you get you and I aren't reading
0: off of bullet points or anything, right? I think the time that you have to script is when you're trying to make the video as short as possible mm-hmm, so I did this series um, 10 business le- 10 lessons learned on uh, mm-hmm. Growing a blog to 10,000. Yeah. subscribers, or something like that um and I wanted all of those videos to be like maximum three minutes long. Right. And each. And so I, those had to be scripted, you know, in order to, to do it. And then in that case, what I would do is I had my laptop um, next to me cause I didn't shoot these in front of a computer. Yeah. And I would read, and I think I got this from you as well. I would mm-hmm. read um, a paragraph and like kind of memorize it, deliver it to the camera you know, and enough times until I yeah. Happy it. So you and got it. On to the next one. Yeah. Um,
1: that's yeah. that's the best strategy, honestly. Unless you have a teleprompter, script it out. Go a few sentences to a paragraph. Um, it keeps you on track with what you're going to do. You don't have to memorize the whole thing. And yeah, you're gonna. It's gonna take you a little longer to record it, and you're gonna use more space on your memory cards and hard drives. But that's cheap, really. Yeah. Your time is worth more than that. So.
0: Yeah. So that's Isn't that's the, what I recommend. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't script it, um, like in some of I've recorded a ton of Photoshop tutorials lately, like, mm-hmm. uh, like seven or eight hours of uh, at the final product of edited Photoshop tutorials are like eight hours long.
1: Um, Jeez. Yeah. I just counted up how many hours I had for the guide, and it was almost six of total yeah. video finished uh, video. So I like you've recorded I'm, way more than I that. was yeah.
0: But what I found on these tutorials is. There were a couple of them that I'd record it through and then like somehow screw up the video, or one I, I corrupted the video file. So I'd have to re-record it. Yeah. And I found that what took me eight minutes to communicate the first time when I re-recorded it, I I could do it in like five and a half. And so sometimes just recording it once and then going through and recording again, you know, you you can say it in a much more succinct way yeah. without having to write a script.
1: And if you are just like, Oh, I'm not going to hit record quite yet. Let me just run through what I would say. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. Like it's it's just not, not. it's just hit record the first time go through it, you know? And that's why I don't stop recording when I'm like looking at my script and like reading my line and trying to memorize it because that's just one more thing I'd have to do. And I mean, you can tell when you're editing looking at the audio waveforms when you're like talking at a normal volume versus talking at the volume when you're like talking to the camera and you can see like your head's looking down if you're like Skimming over that part so you right. know that you can just cut all that part out. So I, don't know, yeah. I agree like the record it once And pretend like it's real and if you really nail it great But don't feel bad if you have to record it again because you'll probably do it better the second time
0: Right. Yeah, so on the editing you pointed this out um, one thing that we both do is we in-between takes of like one of those sentences that we memorize, we Mm -hmm. clap or snap fingers or something Mm -hmm. to create an audio, you know, a spike in the waveform. So then you can look back. And I think I got this from you also, but to edit backwards.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I took that from Chase, actually, from Chase Reeves, uh, co-founder of Fizzle. And so there's a few reasons why I do this. The first one is if you have a certain thing that you do audio-wise, it'll show up in the waveform. So I snap three times in front of my microphone. um, And then after a clip, I see the three little spikes. Um, And I know that whatever's right before that is a mistake, and I can just cut it out. You could also do one, which I've started doing, which is in between sections. So let's say you're on a paragraph and it takes you five tries. Once you're done with those five tries and you move on to the next one, you could have a different Number of audio things you do, so right. like I, I did five of them. So I did five snaps, and then I knew that that right after that was the start of a new section. Um, okay. But you were saying editing backwards because you know your last take is typically your best one, not always, but typically it is because then you right. move on or whatever from that. So if you start at the end of your video and edit backwards, if you if you get the last take and it's really great you know like all those ones right before that you don't even have to watch and that's why you do this is because it saves time so you don't have to watch the entire video otherwise you have to shoot it which let's say it takes an hour then you have to watch an hour and then it takes way more than that to actually clip it and like figure out transitions and timing and all that kind of stuff so that's why it saves i don't know like 75 percent of time getting that first draft of whatever you want done when you do those kind of audio clicks
0: and stuff. Yeah, so the important thing to point out here is that we're leaving the camera running the entire time. Yeah. And so, you know, whatever these are shot with the DSLR, so whatever your DSLR maxes out at 12 minutes, 30 minutes, or whatever, um, that's how long, you know, you just kind of record until you hear the click of the camera shutting off or switching to a new file, and then... Um, but by leaving it recording all the time, you can stay... Right there with your script, and you can you know figure out what you're gonna say, deliver the line. Um, I I snap once between every take, but I think what I'm gonna switch to doing after what you just said is snapping once between every take, and then three times between every section. And that I really like that idea. Um, what else was? There? Oh, I was at the Gumroad office back in uh, November. And we were recording a bunch of training videos basically to help their sellers um, be able to sell more. Um, and in between, like, I'd go to deliver a line, and none of this was scripted, just like so kind of loosely outlined. And I'd go to say it, and I'd mess up, and my instant reaction was to snap, even though yeah. I wasn't editing these videos. Yeah. But that was like my uh, my mental reset, I guess. Yeah. Of like, oh, that wasn't good. And then Yeah.
1: I, <laughs> Well, because the other thing is, I mean, you typically you, maybe you'll swear when you like mess up, <laughs> and so this is like a non—this uh, uh, is a child-friendly way to tell yourself you messed up and to move on instead of you know right. swearing profusely. So, which matters because you have a child. So, <laughs> I do.
0: Yeah, that's another thing about our mastermind calls. <laughs> we had someone in the group who who would swear fairly often. Then you go, "Oh, is Oliver around?" Yeah, <laughs> because they feel bad, and I'm like, no, no, yeah. he's not in the room. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the setup that we can talk about the setup that I used for shooting those business lesson videos, okay. and then kind of what you're doing as well, because it's a step above, you know, the webcam and the basic mic. Yeah. So all mine's kind of the budget version of what you have, because. You've obviously spent a ton of money on, on camera equipment. Your wife d- is a professional photographer. and so Yeah,
1: so we can share it, and that's, that's helpful. Share the business expense of cameras yeah. and stuff.
0: So I'm shooting on a T5i. Um, and one thing that you pointed out that I really appreciated and didn't fully realize until then is that the lens makes far more of a difference than, um, than the camera body.
1: Yeah. I mean t- until you get up to fairly high end cameras. Right. The the sensor and stuff in, you know, the T the T5i70d stuff like that, they're about the same. Like as you go up a little bit, they just get bigger as you go up in size and eventually they get they get better. But really if you put a cheap lens on, even if you put a really cheap lens on my 5d mark three or something it's mm-hmm. going to look awful like it's because it's it's all in the glass of the lens yeah yeah so which yeah. lens are you using now to shoot your videos
0: um i've got the 50 millimeter uh one four one point yeah one point four um which i really like it's it gets the blurred out background a little bit mm-hmm. it just looks so much better yeah. um I don't know. It it's a great lens. The problem with it is it's zoomed in a little too far. Fifty millimeters on the on the T one or the T five I, since it's a uh, not a full frame sensor. Yeah, um, I have to put the camera all the way over there. Yeah, yeah, on one side of the room, and then me all the way on the other, in order to get the shot framed the way I want it. Right. Exactly.
1: Well, I mean. That's why you can test with a zoom lens and see like which focal length you need. You could rent if you're in a major metropolitan area. Uh, we have a few camera stores here that we've rent rent gear from for weddings, for shoots, um, just to test them before we buy them. Cause I mean, if you get up in price, you're spending a thousand or two on a lens, which is crazy. And you want to be able to, you know, see what it's like before you actually buy something. Um, that lens you're talking about is around $400. Yeah. There is a, like a $100 50 millimeter lens that if you are just getting started, that's a good one too. Um, You're just going to get better quality as you go up in price,
0: obviously. Yeah. So one thing you gave me this whole list of gear and we can, um, you have a a link on your site to gear that we'll get, we can get to in a second. Yeah. Yeah buy these mi- microphones um that kind of thing and one thing you said in there was uh as far as the lens goes figure out you know take the 18 to 35 millimeter lens that you have stock yeah set that up in your room see how it's going to work and then based on that buy a fixed zoom lens mm-hmm. um that matches the room. And that was the one part of your advice that I ignored and I regretted it later. So. <laughs> but I
1: have a really good quote now on like my about page and sales pages for it, so.
0: <laughs> yes, everything went perfectly except when I ignored Caleb's advice. Yeah. yeah. And um,
1: yeah. That's a good point. I wanted to touch on something before I moved on. Um, Munich Tweetup said that their US friends use borrowlenses.com mm-hmm. and then another website that's good is lenspros.com lens pro to go. And I'm going to type that in okay. lens pro to go.com. And that's good for if you're not in a metropolitan area, because what they do is they'll ship it to you. And usually those cost a little more, but it's because you have to get them for like three or four days instead of like one day or something. But if you, you know, need to get them shipped to you, that's really good too. Cause like some of my videography friends that actually fly to another state, instead of like renting gear and then mm-hmm. flying with it they'll order it to get shipped there use it while it's there box it up send it back and then they'll fly home and yeah. so that i mean that's a little bit more advanced or whatever but to try out lenses and stuff before buying that that's a great and camera bodies and they have lights and microphones and you can try out stuff for you know a fraction of what you would buy it for and see if you like it before you buy it
0: yeah so if you had a big shoot coming up like, um, I've got a new course that I'm going to shoot. It's going to be all video. I want to shoot it on a really great lens. I'm probably not going to buy that lens cause the one I have is good enough. Right. I'm probably going to rent it for two days. And, right. You know, I'm going to rent a $2,000 lens for two days for what? A little over a hundred bucks probably.
1: Yeah. Sorry. I mean, the most you're going to spend on a lens is probably around $50 a day.
0: Yeah. So at least
1: in Southern California where I am. Yeah and approach a, a up is if you rent on a weekend you don't have to return it till monday typically uh, so okay. if you pick it up on saturday you get sunday free hmm. so what okay. we do is i mean sometimes we'll pick up on friday night if we have to for a wedding for my wife on saturday but if we can pick it up saturday morning and get it back on monday morning you're only paying for one day for lenses and camera bodies and stuff like that camera bodies depending on what they are like the 5d mark 3 can be like 150 dollars. but mm-hmm. that's a over three thousand dollar camera and if you only need it for like a day or two to shoot a bunch of video it's totally worth it especially i mean you have to hire someone that has that kind of equipment too that's going to charge you a lot too so that's why i advocate just doing this stuff yourself until either it's painful or you're making so many that you Know what you want when you're going to hire somebody.
0: Yeah. So we covered camera bodies a bit. We covered lenses. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about lighting. Well, let's talk about audio and then lighting. Okay. Kind of order of importance. Audio is more important than lighting. Yeah. Um, what do you use for the for recording audio?
1: So depending on what it is, almost everything that I do, I use lavalier microphones. Mm-hmm. So I have. Audio-Technica AT899s. I have two of those that plug in via XLR into my Tascam DR100. Um, You can get less expensive lavalier mics. Um, You can get smaller, less expensive digital recorders. That's just what I used. Um,
0: Yeah, and I've got,
1: um, let's see. This is Zoom H4n. yeah. So that's like the equivalent, basically, of what I have. It's a few hundred dollars to get that, um, but then you record the audio directly onto there with a lavalier microphone.
0: And it actually, the the microphone built into the Zoom is actually really good as well.
1: Yeah, it's actually pretty good. I, can with that, can you record both at the same time, like as a backup? So. Uh, cause what I want is it, I want something that does the lavalier microphones, but also in the same unit records a second audio copy in case you need it
0: in case you never know. The cuts out or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. one way to do that is with this road shotgun mic on top yeah. of the camera. And so then you're recording this into the camera, your main audio into the zoom or whatever handheld recorder. Yeah. And then you have a backup.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and actually, I just found out that you can, you can mount your recorder, so like the Zoom H4n or my Tascam, you can like mount that right next to the DSLR, and they make cords that can go from the line out into the camera. So you can even get oh, your okay. lavalier into the camera, and it's recording on the device. So oh, if it doesn't sound good in the video file. But uh-huh. the only problem there is you don't really have a failsafe, If the device shuts off or something Um, But you do get your lavalier sound on your video track right away, which would save time. You wouldn't have to sync it later so Mm -hmm. I I Wish listed those things and I'm gonna try that and see if it's see if it's worth it because especially for just shooting like a quick video Like you're only doing one or something Mm -hmm. any steps you can cut out of the process is is worth it
0: yeah yeah, so but there's also, as you mentioned earlier, there's some really inexpensive lavalier mics that can record directly into the camera. Uh, someone I was talking to you have like a $20. Um, yeah, there is a Sony.
1: If you go to diyvideoguy.com slash gear, there is a list of probably almost everything we're talking about right now. Um, and there's a Sony that is like $25. It, has, it is a like 3.5 millimeter plug instead of an XLR. Uh-huh. It's a pretty good lavalier for, you know, for 25 bucks. Um, It won't plug into a phone, but if you have like one of the smaller recorders, one of the smaller zooms or Tascams or whatever, it'll record directly into those.
0: Someone's saying in the chat that the H4N can record built-in and external mics at the same time. Oh, cool.
1: Um, It's the Sony ECM CS3. And it's just a basic twenty-five dollar lavalier microphone. Um, you plug one of those into either directly into the camera or into you know a seventy or eighty dollars or Tascam, and you can get pretty good sound uh, on the cheap there. Nice.
0: Uh, let's talk about lighting for a second, and let's take a bunch of questions. So everybody, okay. get questions ready? Um, as far as lighting, I cheated when it came to lighting, and uh, <laughs> friends at Wistia sent me their lighting kit um
1: and someone actually put that link in the chat already the the diy lighting kit
0: yeah so this is actually they went and custom built fancy these lighting kits we'll give wistia a little plug see if
1: uh i even like spray painted their logo yeah they've got the
0: wistia <laughs> logo on them it's a great little setup if you sign up for like one of their top plans and then email them i i i think they'll give out those lighting kits you can add.
1: I'm on one of their plans. I just need to send an email, I guess. You should. You should. You know Because like, I use I use Wistio to host all these things, and I used Wist, or we use Wistio at Fizzle for all that right. hosting. So.
0: Yeah. So you should email um, Chris Savage and be like, so. <laughs> so Nathan light. has a
1: light, and I don't. <laughs> What's up with that? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they sent these great uh, three-point lights. Sent it. You know. So I use that to to do my setup. Um, you've got the lights that you use listed out on um, that gear page, right?
1: Yeah. And I'm putting a link to uh, the DIY lighting uh, tutorial for Wistia in the chat. Again, someone already posted it, but I'm it again for people. And the lights I use are, they're actually really cheap. They're like, they're inexpensive, but they're also really cheap. Like <laughs> the stands, like don't stay fully up or anything. Like I'll have, I'll have like five grand sitting on a tripod between the camera lens. And these lights are $175 off Amazon. And I mean, they're chintzy. I don't care if they break or if a bulb bursts or whatever, but they're called Cowboy Studio. I think they're like 3000 watt lighting kit or something. If you just search three point lighting kit on Amazon, there'll be a bunch of options around that range. And what's nice about these ones is they have five bulbs and you can switch all of them on or off. Yeah. So, like, I'll have one, I'll have one like in front of me over here at like you know three or four or five depending on how bright I need it. Then I'll have another one over on the other side. Usually not pointed at me. Usually I'll point that at the wall and just turn it all the way up so I get like mm-hmm. some bounce and it lights the room a little better so that I don't have to have my camera at such a high ISO. And then I'll have another one back here, um, kind of pointed like in my shoulders, in the back of my head for like some separation. Um, and that one will only be on like two or three lights. Cause I don't want it. Like I don't want to be blasted from like every single a- angle with light. So, right. So that's the setup that I use.
0: Cool. Um, I actually have to run and get water. I ran out and I'm <laughs> starting to lose my voice. So Caleb, why don't you um, go back up and just start answering a couple of the questions and I'll be right back.
1: Perfect. I will do that. I'm, reloading the chat room here but i have a question here from let's see i'm gonna go to the first question and try to keep these in order so the first question do you prefer to batch your work lots of shooting and editing all in one go or work from the beginning to end on one project at a time so shooting definitely i batch and the reason i do that is because setting up all the lights you know getting the camera in focus getting You know, if you have to like shave or like get dressed or do your hair or whatever Like try to do all that all at once and shoot as many videos as you can in that one sitting So before you do that, that means getting your script ready Maybe it's scheduling time on your calendar with your spouse to be like, hey I need to shoot videos this day for the for these three or four hours Can you watch the kids or the dog or what have you? And so I batch all of my shooting together Editing it's very very mental and it's very very draining to edit a bunch of videos all in a row and so i don't always edit in a batch i mean i'll try to i try to sit down and if i'm going to work on a video other than like setting it up and importing it and naming it and getting the timeline ready sometimes i'll batch those so if i have like 10 videos i'll import them all sync them all bring them into final cut pro 10 or premiere get all the project files set up and named. I'll batch all that. But I try to sit down and do one video start to finish and make it ready for export um, before moving on to another one. The only time I move on to another one is if like I I've been staring at that one for so long, I can't tell if it's good or not Then I'll then I'll move on to another one and then I'll just make a note to come back. But shooting, I definitely batch all of it whenever possible because of the setup and everything. And for for this guide actually you know a few weekends ago i just told my wife i was like i'm gonna be shooting videos all weekend she's like for what and i was like i'm shooting all of the guide videos all this weekend and so literally on saturday and sunday i just shot all of them i left the lights up i left the camera up i could just walk in if i had an hour to you know record a few tutorials and stuff like that and i wish I had a video studio all of myself and my wife and I are moving in a few days and we're going to have our own offices. So I'm curious how often my lights and stuff are going to stay set up in the office. Once I have my own, op- I know you leave like the tripod and lights up in your office, Nathan, when you know you're going to shoot a video soon because yeah. it's just a pain to have to take it down and put it back up. And it's another barrier to making more videos.
0: I also have little pieces of um, gaffers tape on the on my carpet like on
1: like on a stage like where people know where to stand
0: exactly yeah exactly (laughs) marking where i need to stand where the camera needs to be and where all the leg of the lights go and so when i do put them away i i just know exactly where everything goes and i have to tweak it a tiny bit yeah most part i can stand in front of that and be like here's my setup
1: and, yeah, I mean, you could even do a little mark on your camera with some wax or something uh-huh. to say like where in focus the focus ring
0: should be. Yeah, like you let's could talk even get about that advanced like that. Yeah, focusing on yourself is kind of a pain. Um, you can do it uh, manually if you have someone else, like a spouse around or someone else, a coworker in your office. You yeah. can have them walk up and 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 focus it for you. Right. Or you can use – I don't have one around here. There's, like, these little uh, $10, $20 remotes that you can get for your camera so you can remotely take a picture, yeah. so it'll okay. focus on you, and then you can switch to manual. Uh, manual yeah, that's, that's
1: one way because um, if you have it set to automatic and you do the remote thing, then you'll actually be standing there. But when you're not standing there, it won't focus on you. It'll focus on, like, the chair or, like, something behind right. you. And so – I don't, I actually have never bought like the 10 or $15 remote to do that. Uh, I still do it manually. So I, I set a timer on the photo and I'll go and stand where I'm going to stand and see if it's in focus and then, you know, I'll move in and out or I'll change the focus. If I'm standing exactly where I want to stand. Um, it's helpful for you cause you have a camera that the screen flips out and yep. so you can look, point it towards yourself and you can see if you're in focus and, do you do the 5X, 10X digital zoom to yeah, see I if do. you're absolutely in focus? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so it'll be, I'll be like standing back there and the little screen will have like just my Your nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do my eye because I want my eyes to be in focus more than my nose. Right. That's right. Kind of and that's them, the right
1: spot to focus on. So, so. I could
0: not focus on my eye, on my nose and have my eyes out of focus, you know, and you just yeah. don't want that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: We have another question here um, from David says, for those of us who don't have a space slash ability to have a dedicated area in which to shoot videos, which would be both of us, I would say, I mean, we do it in our offices at least. Do you have some tips and recommendations to make a serious or a series video project much more efficient and streamlined such as shooting video podcasts? So I would say like Nathan said, set it up the exact same way every single time. And if you have to put pieces of tape on the ground or, you know, you could even just set it so it's like, okay, I know my tripod has to go all the way back against the wall. Yep. And that, like that's as far back as it needs to go. And you just have the same setup each time. That really helps. I just recently found a setup that I really liked um, for shooting videos, which is just to put the camera just like straight to the side of me, tilt my, um, tilt my Thunderbolt display monitor, or if you have like an iMac or something, just get the very edge of it and have that be blurred out and then have me and then I have like a window behind me or like you could do like a bookshelf or whatever. And just having that set up is really good for, I can turn and talk to the camera, but I only have to turn a little bit to the screen to do like a screen flow recording or something. And so that's a good way to set it up is if yeah. you're doing like tutorials, then you're actually talking to the camera, go to your screen back and forth. Um, I have, there's there's a Skype, um, tutorial on how to record HD Skype calls on my blog right now. If you go to that for free, or my YouTube channel, and there's also one over on Pat Flynn's YouTube channel for uh, intro- introduction to ScreenFlow, and both of those are in the guide. But I, I'm sharing those ones for free, and you can see this kind of setup that I'm doing. Um, you can also see it on on the sales page uh, for the DIY video guide. Yeah. I and that one I actually I set, it was like a couple days later, and I just set it up really quickly. But I knew, okay, the camera goes there, the light goes here. I know, like, I knew what I was doing instead of, okay, how am I going to frame this shot? How am I going to make it look? What, what do the lights need to be at? What settings do my camera need to be at? So just having the same setup every time is what I would recommend.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that's good. Um, and I really like that setup. I remember looking at it and going, oh, man, that looks good.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I've been doing setups like that for like two years, and I finally got like the one that I wanted. Um, so I mean it just takes practice I've done ones where like my laptop's sitting there, I'm like in the middle of the room and my laptop's like propped up on a chair and I'm kind of talking, that's what we did with Fizzle for a while, but I mean we've been experimenting and switching it up and trying to see what we like
0: best Nice, let's take another question Um, this one's from Donnie is the increased time investment for producing video over just audio worth the hassle Uh,
1: I think it depends on what it is Mm -hmm. Uh, we, I mean, we have another question here from uh, D Hero Training, uh, who says, "How do you decide upon what blogs in a video, blog post, yeah. or a podcast? Do you think video is better because it brings in more engagement and authenticity?" And so, I think it really depends on what it is. And so, I think written, you can pretty much do anything with. You can do tutorials, you can do inspirational stuff, uh, you can do entertainment joke stuff, podcast are better for, I think, long form content. So conversations, um, highly produced studio audio, things like This American Life, 99% Invisible, things like that. And they're also good for like short bite-sized things, you know, five to 10 minute type things like Pat Flynn's doing now with his Ask Ask Pat podcast, you know, like simple question answer, doing video on that unless he was showcasing screen flows of like how to actually do the things he's saying wouldn't really add much value. Right. Video on the other hand, the the ability to show things on screen, not just images or video, but text like saying when you say something, having the text come on and that signifies that thing's really important. They're more likely to remember it. You can do like the things that we're talking about doing, which is screen recordings and tutorials on how to use stuff like Photoshop or video editing programs or uh, even if you're just doing PowerPoint slides or something like that, that can definitely work. So I I think that video has its place and audio has its place and written has its place. I think you just need to find the right mix of whatever you're talking about, figure out what would be better on video versus audio versus written. And this is something that I did when I did this switch to talking about DIY video stuff was I wrote out like a hundred things. I was like, Okay, that's like two years worth of things once a week. Mm-hmm. What would be the best way to talk about each of these things? And it was like 70% of them were video. Like, do this on video because there are visual aspects to doing right. it that the person would learn it better. And I was really going home. I was like, I'm going to start an audio podcast. And then I did that, and I was like, maybe I'm not going to start an audio podcast first. Maybe later or something, but man, I just do a bunch of these video so tutorials. Of yeah.
0: And the other thing is you get to know the person a little better, even in an interview or a discussion like this, just Mm -hmm. having video, um, you know, makes it better. But, but most of the things we're saying here would work just fine in an audio podcast.
1: Right. You could repurpose this conversation. And I mean, there's even an additional thing here, which is there's some chat. So there's actually interaction going on with, with the live aspect of this video too. So, I mean like that's a whole nother level.
0: Yeah. so, I think we covered both of those questions together. <laughs> Basically, it just all depends. <laughs> the next question uh, is: Who do you recommend for doing transcripts and for timestamping them? Too much effort or worth it? You have any thoughts on that?
1: So there, it looks like they're specifically talking about. Um, I guess I guess you could do transcripts and timestamp them um, in like a PDF or something. I was the first thing I thought of when I read that was actually having them come on the screen, like, uh, captioning. like closed captioning. Um, so getting those done can be fairly expensive i know that i want to say wistia is maybe five dollars a minute okay for them to have whoever they have do the transcription Mm -hmm. match up with the closed captioning then youtube they do it for free and it's not always very good um You'll get the gist of what the person's saying, but the words will be strange. It's like you—it's like talking to Siri. Like she just doesn't understand sometimes. You're right. But to get someone to do transcripts, finding a VA specifically overseas or something is going to be the least expensive way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find someone on Elance, or um, I think mean you can maybe try to find someone on Fiverr. But I mean, you're going to get what you pay for. What I really have seen people doing lately is they value the transcript part so much that they have the person that edits their podcast also do the transcripts and then do the show notes. So right. they completely write out what the transcript is and then they know exactly what's in the thing. They know what the highlights are that they then can go on the show notes. They don't miss any of the links you mentioned. Um, and those people are obviously going to cost more cause you're going to have more of their time and they're going to be more skilled at doing things like audio editing and stuff like that. Right. So transcripts, um, I don't know if it's worth it or not. I think if your audience is big enough and you get asked for them enough, I think it's worth it for things that are very visual anyway. Like if you're doing a screen recording of teaching something, I don't think you really need a transcript.
0: Yeah. I did transcripts um, for two of my books of all the interviews where, you know, there are people who wanted to read through the interview content because you can read much faster than you can listen. And so, there were people who were like, I love that you're doing interviews, but I want to be able to read them, not watch them to save time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I felt that that increased the perceived value of the product by saying, you know, here's these nine interviews, but also there's uh, uh, transcripts of them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it depends on the product. I Actually, I had somebody with my Photoshop tutorials ask if I would add closed captioning. Um, to them and
1: that would be the reason I would do closed captioning is not Or transcripts is not so someone can read it instead of mm-hmm. watch it. It's for someone that Doesn't understand English or needs a very specific example mm-hmm. uh, Or like a very specific translation That they can then pull from and use and stuff like that. That would be why I would do it um, right. and for like ease of use for the deaf and things like that yeah. versus <laughs> Uh too long didn't read like i I didn't want to watch the whole video. Can I skim what it's about or something yeah
0: the The reason that uh this person wanted transcripts they were from the u k and they couldn't understand my American accent, so they wanted uh they wanted closed <laughs> captioning so they could understand
1: so accent. that so they they spoke English, just not American
0: and just not american English just so not too. American gotcha yeah, so it was the first time I'd been told <laughs> that I had an accent i that Uh, could not be understood yeah but oh well (laughs) so let's uh next question is from david since videography is a craft what would you say is the most important thing to focus on to get to the next level of quality so things don't look so much diy-ish maybe better worded as what do you find is the most common mistake or weakness with amateur video
1: usually it's usually it's sound or lighting Mm -hmm. to be honest it's um it's either sound or lighting or the videos are just too long and slow. So like once you get better at video and you get better at editing, you, you start to realize you don't need to leave in like long pauses or long gaps. You can keep things short and sweet. So it, it obviously is like, is an art form. Filmmaking is an art form making movies and short films and things like that and television and all that stuff. And when people are used to watching Hollywood movies and watching stuff on TV, they're gonna expect videos that look really good. And so you have to you have to bring your A game and you have to try to make them look as good as you can. But if you just focus on the main things, framing yourself in the camera properly, make sure you're in focus, make sure you have good lighting, good sound, like you're gonna have to then deliver and like give right. good content and be interesting and stuff like that to have them continue to watch. But if you have those basics down, they'll at least start to watch and not go away just because of the quality. So I would say once you get your videos looking good, sounding good, really focusing on the editing part and making them really succinct and really really quick and um, to a point, instead of having really long videos, that's what makes them look more professional, in my opinion. It's not not all the stuff you leave in, it's what things you decide to take out, really. I mean, that's what makes a good movie, is in the editing room, they cut out all the stuff that doesn't need to be there, even if it was in their script originally.
0: Yeah. So the other thing that you can do is when you're editing, is if you only have one camera, you don't want to just, you know, cut sections of that where it looks like you know, you're talking along and then all of a sudden my head jumps to over here. Yeah. You, the cam- you know, and back. So what you have to do in that case is change, you know, do an artificial zoom just in your editing tool. Yeah. Uh, zoom in a little bit, and and you can see this in my uh business lessons videos. Mm-hmm. I do that all the time. And then that way you can cut between effectively it's kind of like cutting between different angles but only with a single camera.
1: Yeah, and I just did a I just did a video like that um for Amy Porterfield just like a one-off quick video and we just shot with one angle, but yeah, you can crop in close and I mean and then
0: back out and
1: and then back out, you can do zooms, you can do stuff just with one angle you can make it Interesting enough.
0: Yeah, you do the like the wipes coming across.
1: Um, yeah, so there's there's only a couple transitions I use. I use um, fade to color is what it's called in Final Cut Pro Ten, but really it's a fade either up from black or down into black. And I don't mean like movement wise. I just mean like the screen's black and then you, the picture fades in. I do that at the beginning of videos because it's less harsh than just like the picture being there and then you like start talking. Um, right. And then I do that at the end when I don't have like a outro bumper or something, I'm trying to put on the screen. Yeah. And then I do the quick cuts, which is just straight, like the two clips come together. And I usually only do that if I'm switching angles or jumping to a zoom in or zoom out, so that there's something different. I haven't really mastered the, use the same angle, but jump cuts very well. Um, Unless you're moving a certain amount of distance, it does look weird. If you're only moving like a little bit, it looks weird. If you're moving like across the screen, it's kind of okay. So mm-hmm. Chase is really good at that. I haven't really mastered that in the shoot part because you have to know that you're going to do that kind of stuff when you're shooting it. And then the slide transition is the, is the third one that we use. And, you know, it's only like a third of a second long, half a second long or something, just enough to separate the two clips enough where you could have a completely different lighting in them. You could have a different... Uh, you could almost even have a different shirt on and it would be less noticeable than if it was just a quick jump cut because the slide yep. distracts you for this short amount of time. And then you can keep talking about what you're talking yep. about.
0: So there's a conversation going on in the chat um, about uh, matching up the audio and your voice recorder. Um, and so, you know, we mentioned this earlier, we snap clap fingers to get those spots, yes. match that up. Um, but something that we both do is we start recording the camera and the audio recorder, and then we'll run for as long as it'll let us Yeah. Um, of just recording. And so we're not starting and stopping on every single take. Mm-hmm. We're just leaving it running, and so we only have to sync up those files once Yeah. cut them up so long as we keep them in sync. Right. Um, so and, anyway, and, hopefully that answers that question.
1: Yeah, and something that helps if you need to If you need to sync it up, I mean, you can do a single clap in the beginning after everything's recording, just do a single clap, you'll see that audio file, or the audio wave spike, and you can manually sync stuff if that's what you need to do in your in your program, I automatically sync stuff, either in Final Cut Pro 10 in Premiere, or I use a program called plural eyes. And that is what I always sync all my stuff in and then import it into Final Cut or Premiere. So, I mean, those are more expensive programs and stuff. So, if you're just doing something in, like, ScreenFlow or iMovie or Windows Movie Maker or whatever, just doing a single clap at the beginning, you can match up the audio. And the reason you actually do that is because back in the day, like, and they still do this because they record audio separate for movies and stuff, and TV is the clapper was a visual signal for when the spike in sound happens so that in the editing room, they can sync them together. Whereas now, I mean, your camera's is going to recording audio and your microphone recorder is recording audio. So you can just use the two audio things together. But if you if your mic ran out of batteries on your camera or something, you would have to have something visually to sync them up together.
0: Yeah. So let's see. There's one more uh... Two more questions that I wanted to get to, and then we'll, we'll give away the guide, and then Sounds we'll good. talk about the guide a little more. Okay. Um, so this one's from David, and he's talking about, as we're likely doing video, at least in part, in order to make money, um, and then he, he kind of goes on and talks about um, whether to have calls to action in your videos, how to do marketing videos. Um, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: So how to integrate marketing strategy in your videos, yeah. And do you just focus on providing content, or do you have a strategy include calls to action or marketing in your videos? So there's a few ways you can do this. One of them is have a point for each of your videos, like a very specific point. Um, James Wedmore talked about this on uh, Amy Porterfield's podcast. I think it's episode four or something like that. If you do a video about one specific thing. So he has this video that talks about royalty-free music and he put that on YouTube because he saw how many people were searching for that kind of thing. And then at the end of the video, I mean, he gives like free, five free royalty-free songs or whatever that you can use in the video. But then at the end, he's like, if you want five more, then, you know, opt in here with your email or something like that. So the call to action is very, very specific to what the video is about as opposed to, oh, this is about royalty-free music. And then, oh, come check out this guide about building a slider for your camera or something like that. Like, it, it's very joint, disjointed there. So I would say make whatever your call to action is in your video be related to the video that you're doing, not some, uh, like, unrelated, unrelated topic. Oh, yeah. The other I thing think- to do is to repurpose your video on different platforms. So if you're shooting a video... And you're going to put it on YouTube or something like that, or you're going to put it inside of a course or something like that. At the same time, you're shooting that one, or even if you just take a piece of it, make like a thirty-second to one-minute chunk that you put on something like Facebook, or um, you could even do a fifteen-second one on Instagram if you have a huge following or something. You know, promote on um, whatever platforms your people are at to drive them to the the videos. You could also do a one minute video as a trailer for a podcast or a blog post or maybe for an event you're going to be speaking at, you know, use them to promote other things instead of just only doing videos that are long form, five to 10 minutes talking head type stuff, you know, make, make short videos It'd be like, you know, I'm going on this trip and I'm not going to be around for a while. Um, but tell me one trip that you've went on in your life that, you know, something, Something crazy happened and you know, like just to interact with your audience with short little videos is another good way for people to get to know you as opposed to just, you know, you talking at them the entire time.
0: Yeah. The one that, that Pat Flynn did that was really good that you, you shot and edited for him was when his site went down Yeah, yeah. just tell that story really quickly.
1: Yeah. So Pat and I were up in San Francisco shooting some videos for uh, his book, let go. And while we were up there, his site got hacked And so it went down completely. And pretty much the only thing that he could do was redirect the domain to somewhere. And so I can't remember whose idea it was. It was one of our ideas to shoot this video. That's just like, Hey, the site's down, sorry, it'll be up soon. I'm going to go fix it. And so we're like downtown San Francisco. So we get one of the train cars uh, behind him and he's like, Hey guys, my website's down, don't know what's going on, but I'm going to go fix it. And then he just like turns and runs into like san francisco and that was obviously his idea but we so we did that and we just redirected his domain to this youtube video Mm -hmm. and you could just see like the the comments of people are like oh don't worry about it or whatever and like funny video stuff like that so that was the way to communicate with his audience that was going to the website what was happening and why they couldn't get there you know he i think he emailed his list and you can do stuff on facebook and twitter and stuff But what about everyone that's coming through search engines to your site or coming through links from other websites or just typing it in and they're used to doing that? You know, he had to communicate that some way to them. And that was uh, what he chose to do.
0: All right. So the last question is, uh, what's a healthy relation time wise between the actual shoot and post production? What would be an indicator to get better with one or the other?
1: So I think that shooting typically takes like the recording time typically takes three to five times as long as whatever the finished product is. Mm -hmm. So if I'm shooting, if I'm shooting a 10 minute video or so, it'll take a half hour to an hour of recording. If I, if I'm reading off a script, if I'm trying to nail lines, if it's just a screen flow and I'm just talking and being casual about it, it should only take that however much time it takes to record. The editing part though, to me that usually takes about five to 10 times as much as the edited Mm -hmm. clip. So, I mean, if you do the math there, you're doing a 10 minute video, you're looking at anywhere from an hour to two to three just to get that that done. Um, But batching helps if you're shooting them all at the same time, if you're editing all at the same time and importing at the same time. And then there's also the setup and teardown of your equipment and stuff too. So right. how to tell if you're getting better at one or the other? Um, I mean other th- other than time, you know using some of these hacks we've talked about, you know, using the the snaps to know when you messed up so you don't have to watch that part, getting being more prepared with your script will help you save less time during the shooting, maybe trying some without having a script and just seeing how it goes you know those yep. are ways to to save time during the shoot
0: yep i agree i and the more you can batch stuff the better and then you know eventually you can get to the point where you don't even edit your own videos you hire someone else to do it and then yeah more content which i think is great yeah exactly caleb i will have you know that i can actually spell your last name now you can spell it now it only
1: took yeah. you a year and a half <laughs>
0: exactly
1: yeah that, that's okay um I, my brother in law did some of the video editing for the interviews and stuff and the tutorials in this in the course and he spelled Corbett Barr's name wrong with he only had one R in it and I was like, ah oh. I was like, I work with this person, like I can't spell his name wrong. Like <laughs> there's no way I could have a yeah, video with like someone that I work with's name wrong. So
0: Yeah, so let's talk about the guide for a second. I'll drop the the link into the chat here, calebwogiccom slash DIY video guide.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or it's at diyvideoguide.com.
1: Yeah, you can just go directly
0: that way too. We'll that it goes to the same place. Yeah. Um, there you go. Look at that. <laughs> so you've got a whole bunch of things in here. There's an interview with me. Interview with Pat. You've got everybody. Uh, you've you interviewed your co-founders Corbett Barr and Chase Reeves, who do hey Corbett
1: you yeah, there. He's, he's in there. Yeah. That's why I wanted to
0: tell that story. Yeah. <laughs> Corbett says, it's okay. I've spelled oh, my your name wrong too. <laughs> I'm
1: sure you have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's interviews in there. There's, um, you know, you and Corbett and Chase and some other people like Pat and Chris Ducker and Porterfield, you know, we're just talking about, you know, how did you progress to where you're on now with videos from where you started? Because, you know, people started with ScreenFlow. They started with, Screen recordings, talking into their webcam, then maybe they got a camera, then maybe they started hiring people. And so there's like this progression that everyone doesn't see if you just jump in and you're like, oh, these videos are so polished. You know, what, how can I ever make videos like that? And it's like, well, go back on a YouTube channel of someone and see, right. you know, the, how bad their videos were back then. And then they've just practiced and gotten better. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about with those people.
0: Yeah. So one thing that I want to point out to everybody is usually when you shoot video, people's initial reaction is to spend a whole bunch of money on gear. You know, I'm looking at the gear that I have in front of me that I bought and it's Mm -hmm. like, it's certainly $1,500 worth, if not $2,000 worth. Yeah. And all that gear isn't going to do any good if you don't know how to use it. Yeah. Go spend $250 and get Caleb's, Full guide with the interviews, the you know, um, all the tutorials on. You've got editing and ScreenFlow, Premiere, how to do multi-camera interviews, um, how to do HD Skype calls, all sorts of great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll actually know how to use that gear. That, that it's <laughs> so much money on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, the gear is nice, but if you don't know how to to use it, then um, it's it, it's going to actually. I don't know maybe it'll look a little better but it could look worse too if you don't know what settings to like put stuff in and you don't know like how to focus it on yourself you're just going to get frustrated honestly so that's why like a lot of these case studies and tutorials and stuff is you know there's a handful of them that are on the editing software that Mm -hmm. that's that's common but the rest of them are like how do i get a good looking skype interview how do i get you know how do I re- edit with multiple cameras? Do this video audio syncing that I was talking about, either manually or automatically. You know those types of things are you know the things that I do in the video tutorials, and then I touch on a lot of different gear in the book. Like the the book especially is like it's like a gear guide in of itself because I'm saying okay these are the cameras that you can choose from. These are why you might want to upgrade. These are why you might not want to upgrade that far. Mm-hmm. And same thing with like what microphones should you get? And so, I mean, I'm the kind of person where when I'm buying something over a certain dollar value and it's not a very high dollar value, it's probably like if I'm buying something over like 25 bucks, I'll research the heck out of it. Like unnecessarily just (laughs) way too much. Like reading Amazon reviews, which I know aren't even real half the time, you know, going to forums and stuff when it comes to like audio, video, computer type gear, I'll research it to death. And so, I've already done all that for you. And so you can just like pick the microphone that's that I recommend, and it's going to be good. And when you're ready to upgrade, there's another option there, too. So you don't really have to spend a bunch of time doing a ton of research. You can write your script and get in front of the camera and record and stuff like that. But yeah,
0: the things that, that are really matter. going to matter. Yeah, yeah. So um, does anybody have any questions uh, for Caleb about maybe what's in the guide or... Um, and that kind of thing, and then oh, we'll wrap up in a minute. But okay. Um, but yeah, generally, as we'll see if any questions come in. But um, one thing that I want to say is thanks for coming on. I know this is your launch day, and uh, you, <laughs> because we're doing this call, you haven't even uh, emailed it out to your list quite yet. No, um, I have not. And so we'll get off this in a minute, so you can go hit send on an email. Have you written the email yet? I have not written the email yet. Oh, all right, all right. Well, you have a little bit of work to do.
1: Yeah, so I have to write that email and send it out. And uh, But yeah, I literally made the sales page live right before this call. So Nice.
0: Well, um, Caleb, I've learned a ton from you over the last couple of years. My whole video setup is based on what you're doing, so <laughs> I'm super excited that, um, that you've got this guide out, and uh, it's been a lot of fun talking, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me, and uh, I mean, thanks for the very small amount of the Amazon affiliate links that <laughs> I got from when, when you bought your camera. So
0: Yes. Yeah, I went through your affiliate links, and uh, I think if people buy through um, your gear page, th- does that use some affiliate links?
1: Yeah, for the things that are on Amazon. Some stuff's not, like some of the software and things like that aren't, and some of the other cool. things are so if, but
0: yeah. If someone um, you know wants to go buy that lighting kit or something like that, go buy it through CalebLogic.com slash gear so that you can uh, pay him for that recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's a question. What's your recommended lighting gear? I'm going to just drop in CalebLogic.com slash gear.
1: Uh, Yeah, so depending on what you need, um, the Cowboy Studio lights that I use, three-point lighting, um, it's there on that page. It's like $175. That's decent. Um, It's fairly cheap, and it takes up a lot of space, but... It works, and I've been using that for a year and a half at least. You can also get things that are a little bit more portable, like you can get LED lights that sit on top of your DSLR if you just like want one single light. Those are only like thirty or forty bucks. There's a link to one of those on there too. Um, use Windows, honestly. Use be in front of natural light, and as long as it's not cloudy outside and the sun's going to go behind it and stuff, and you have consistent light, that could be pretty decent
0: light too. Nice. Cool. That's a good note to end on. I'll let you go uh, get back to launching your products. And <laughs> yeah. Caleb, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with me too. Everybody, see you, see you later. All right. I hope you learned a little bit about video. Uh, I've definitely learned a ton from Caleb over the years. You know, his last name is impossible to spell. So if you want to learn more about uh, the guide that he came out with, just go to diyvideoguide.com. That'll take you to his site. You can learn more about what he's got going on. There's an interview with me in one of his uh, one of his packages. Um, yeah. Also, the other thing is Caleb has just left Bizzle and uh, gone out on his own. So now he's selling products, doing this online business thing, uh, all on his own. And, uh, he's got a bunch of great consulting clients. And so just check out his stuff, pick up a copy of his guide. If you're in video at all, uh, you'll learn a ton from it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. You can always find all the links at NathanBerry.com episode seven, and I'll see you in the next episode.